You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Amen, church. Thank you very much, Brother Blaze. Let us pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, God. Um, Lord, you're awesome. There is no one like you, God. Um, Father, we know the flesh cannot do the works of the Spirit. Father, we pray, Father, that you take the flesh away, let your Spirit reveal itself. Father, be with the church. Father, it's your church. No one can speak to your children but you, God. Father, we pray, Father, that you open heavens, God. Come down, speak to us. Help us to know you better so that we can serve you better. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles over, please, um, to John chapter 11. Be ready to preach in season and out of season. You know, it's awesome. Up until 5 o'clock yesterday, I never knew I'm going to be preaching. But that's how the kingdom of God is. When you get the chance, you got to take it. Um, I hope I can inspire you with the word of God today. Um, the title of my lesson is simple, um, The Friendship Factor. You might ask me, where did I get this from? Well, it's just something that happened to me on Thursday. Um, it came through, you know, Wednesday we had a Bible talk at Middlesex University. It was awesome. We had about 20 guests on out. And, um, you know, there are lots of Bible studies going on, and people were having fun, and it was all big and nice. But before the Bible talk, a guy called me on the phone. He's been out of London for about a month. And he called me, hey, yummy, I'm back in town. I want to come on out. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can come to Bible talk. We're meeting at Middlesex. And this guy was met by one of the campus brothers. He studied the Bible all the way to, he did light and darkness, I believe, on the cross. He was on the cross study. But then he went back. Stopped studying, went away, and he came back. So I was like, yeah, you know, I went away for a month, but I've been missing disciples. I just want to get back. Even I tried to call a lot of the brothers, but some people didn't pick my calls. I tried to call you. I think you're busy. I just want to hear people preach the word of God to me. I'm like, okay, you know, that's cool. Okay, let's get together. And we got together after the Bible talk. Um, We spent two hours. But this guy started all the way to the cross before I left. But when he came back, he's like, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. <laughs> okay, we had to do a Bible study on knowing Jesus. So we got into the Bible, talk about, hey, look at who Jesus is, the image of God. He's the son of God. He came down from heaven. You know, we went all over for about two hours. And I was like, okay, I think I'm now start getting to know more about Jesus. I'm going to go home. But can we meet again? I'm like, well. My Thursday is packed. The only time I could meet you is 7 a.m. in the morning. I was like, yeah, I'll be there. Where do you want to meet? I'm like, Stratford. So he came on Thursday in the morning, and we got together. And it was awesome because when we got together, I'm like, okay, we got to talk about how did you do yesterday? Did you go over these notes? Did you try to study? I was like, well... I tried to study a little bit, but I went here and I went there and I was tired when I came back. But I slept and I didn't read. But when I woke up this morning on my way here, I tried to look at a couple of passages. I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) Where are you at right now? Well, I think I still don't know Jesus. And I don't think, um, I, I, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, this is probably not a Bible study issue. We're going to get into talk about life. Then I started talking, we started talking about life. And I'm like, 
Just share a passage with him. As we kept talking, I found out something very significant about this guy. I'm like, can I be honest with you? I said, yeah, 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 be honest with you. I'm like, if I'm being real with you, it's like you really, you're not seeking God. You just love to be around Christians. You love to be around Christians. I can see that. But actually, you're not really seeking God. Can I be honest? You don't have to seek God to be my friend. That's our first point. You don't have to seek God to be my friend. John chapter 11. In verse 1, we'll pick it up here. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who put perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister said, What to Jesus? Lord, the one you love is sick. Let's stop right there. Mary was the sister to Lazarus. We knew the story of Mary, how she wept and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. And through, probably through Mary, Jesus gets to know Martha and the brother. But there's something significant about these people. They were not disciples. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were not disciples. Disciples of Jesus follow Jesus. They believed as every other Jews believe in one God. They believed that Jesus is the Son of God. But John chapter 8, verse 31, 32 teaches, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But you read here, Lazarus was sick, but yet Jesus was sent to. Hey, the one you love is sick. And you know, uh, further down in verse 35, we find the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. I always think before um, that only weak people cry. Until I had a debate with a, um, a religious person one time in Nigeria. And I was like, well, I don't cry. I was even boasting about it. I don't cry. Weak people, that's for weak people. And I said, but you said you're a Christian earlier. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you believe in Jesus? Of course I do. Do you have any other God? But I'm like, no other God but Jesus. They said, can I show you something? <laughs> Read this. Jesus wept. He said, until you cry, you're actually weak. Because Jesus wept. And for me, I I read this passage. Jesus wept. And I asked myself, why? What made him cry? Jesus wept for a non-Christian. Someone who's not a disciple. The relationship, you know, I I I I, I just think of um, this guy I, I was talking about. I said to him, "You don't have to be a disciple. You don't have to seek God to be my friend." I'm like, "I'll spend time with you. I'll gladly spend time with you, and close the Bible and talk to you about life." But I got a question for you today: Is that your conviction, or do you put condition on your friendship with people? Because when we read further down here, one thing about Jesus, we find out, look at verse 11. It simply says, after he has said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep 
I'm going there to wake him up. Jesus called Lazarus friend. You know, it's abnormal for a leader. Back then, during the days of the Jewish culture, they're familiar with leadership. But their leaders don't go to people's house. People go to the leader. But there's this radical leader named Jesus who's going to the house of an ordinary citizen. Only in the Bible you see Jesus in Matthew 11 called, he, he was called a friend of the tax collectors and sinners. Called their friends. Why? Because Jesus did not put a condition on people who want to be his friend. And for me this is quite challenging because all in the name of being religious and trying to be focused, I can put condition on people wanting to be my friend. I can see just spending time with people who doesn't want to become a disciple or they don't want to study the Bible as a waste of time. I've done it before. But this guy really taught me a a, a valuable lesson because I see he just wants to spend time with disciples. And he helps me understand a a parable in Luke 16 where Jesus talks about the parable of the shrewd manager. He talks about, he says, the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. And we know Christians are the people of the light. Amen? So, people in the world, they don't feel secure talking to another worldly person. But when they see a disciple, they feel safe. Even though they don't have the faith at the moment to become a Christian, they feel safe around you. They feel safe to talk to you. Do you have the heart to allow people to come close to you without putting condition on their relationship? You know, it's quite humbling just to see. Um, I've heard Michael talk about a guy named Adi. And Michael talked about this Adi who happens to be another leader of a church. Yeah. And Michael studied the Bible with him. He knew he's not a disciple. Da, da, da. But in, this guy at the moment doesn't have the faith to become a disciple. But Michael said, I'm going to be his friend. And it's humbling because Adi will call Michael up and confess his sins. <laughs> but he wouldn't do that with his own kind. Right. He wouldn't talk about those challenges in his life with his own kind of people. Because it feels safe. And such people, when you persevere with them, when they become disciples, they will be solid disciples. They will be faithful disciples. Because they've seen the example that you've laid. You know, it's amazing being on campus. Um, God's been doing incredible, incredible things with campus ministry, man. And I'm really humble. Like, uh, our brother Paris met a young guy, a young guy, 18-year-old on the train. Uh, I believe he was crying on, I think probably it was his birthday or something. Uh, and he got probably dumped by a girlfriend or something. He was crying. And Paris, Paris reached out to him. And um, this guy's been through a lot for an 18-year-old. He's been through a hell lot. And um, he came on out. He said, uh, yeah, I'd love to meet up. Uh, the first day we met. And, you know, just like every young guy, 18-year-old, very brilliant, he knows his stuff. He's a physicist. It's something for him. He feels good about himself. But there's a lot of pain. And this guy, at the moment, doesn't, doesn't have the faith to become a disciple. He doesn't even have the faith to study the Bible. But you know what? He's looking for people to be around. And we met for the first time. All he wants to debate with me is, God doesn't exist. God exists. I'm like... Goodness. I thought you were going to study the Bible. I thought you were open. But you know what's funny? 
As we kept debating, I said to him, you know what? I know you don't want to study the Bible, but I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. And on Friday, this guy came on out. At first, when he came, I don't know, just like myself, when I first went to a Bible talk, he came to the evil, everybody stood up, he sat down. <laughs> I looked at him like, you want to... People were singing. I didn't know the song anyway, so I can't sing. Hey, man. But before we finish, you know what? He got up. He hugged people. Wow. He still wants to debate with me. I have to give him that time after, after the whole Devo. We had a little debate. We makes him feel good. And he's like, I'm coming next week Friday. <laughs> you said we got to be willing to give to people. Regardless of whether they are there yet or not, we've got to be willing to give to them. Right. Jesus gave to these people so much. He gave to Lazarus. He gave to Martha. He gave to Mary. But why would Jesus give to them? Jesus they saw, they saw something very significant. Jesus saw this as an opportunity to glorify God. Do you know that every act you do, to either a Christian or a non-Christian is an opportunity to glorify God? Is that what you see? Is that your conviction? Jesus saw this as a, you know what? I'm going to praise God through these people. I'm going to leave my house and go to theirs. And it's so powerful because we've got to go after making friends. Amen. Come on, bro. Do you have friends here today? Are your friends a church? Because it's all about making friends. You think about, we, we have a vision to evangelize the world. But the question you've got to ask yourself, the only time that it was done, what kind of people did it? A bunch of friends. The disciples of the first century, they were friends. Paul talks about Peter. Peter talks about Paul. Paul said, what Peter wrote is scriptures. Peter said, what Paul wrote is scriptures. I mean... You see those guys backing themselves up. They're friends. It makes sense. And they were able to do it. For us in this generation, it's the same. We've got to be friends. We've got to go make friends. These non-Christians, they want to be our friend. We've got to be open to them. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2. You with me, guys? My second point is this. Friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Maybe you think that's a bit contradictory, but we'll find out. Are you talking about us making friends? And you say friendship with the world is hatred. The Bible says in verse 15, 1 John 2, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the craving of sinful men, the loss of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever, and the church say, Wow. Doing the will of God is not loving the world. I got a question for you. When and where? Is your happiest moment in life? Disciples, when or where is your happiest moment? Is it when you're on a date? Watching movies? Playing sports? When your name is mentioned in a sermon? 
Praised by people? Or when you're in God's presence? When and where is your happiest moment? Is it when you're in communion with Christ? For me, I ask myself this question, and it's humbling. Because something happened to me last week, and I got hoping with my disciple about this. You know, we have the good news email, right? And um, on Tuesday, we, we read the good news email. Our staff, we're going to have a quiz. And, and you want to do well. You know, you, you don't want to drop the ball on that. And I, I've, been, I've, been, I've, I've not been down. I've, I've been, you know, very close. I know, like... My sister Maria, they get A's all the time. Uh, you know, I probably missed one here and there. I was just reading and reading and reading and going through it. And it gets to the London church. And I was just reading through and reading through. That's awesome, the miracle. I said, oh yeah, yummy. And something went in my heart. Ding, 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 ding. I was feeling so good about myself. Oh, my name is mentioned. And I'm like, and I asked myself, like, wait a minute, why do I feel happier because my name is there? Oh, okay, oh maybe I, don't, I think I don't struggle with insecurity, but this exposes something, though. Oh, yeah, maybe I don't, I don't like praise, but when it's mentioned, how did you feel? Yeah. Proverbs says, a man's heart is tested by the praise that he receives. You know, the test of our hearts, if we love the world or not, is by the things that we do. God has given us so much creativity in his kingdom. We have open mics. We have kingdom dates. We have so many things that we do. But never forget that we are using these things to win souls to Christ. When the moment these things become the hallmark of our joy, we're already in the world. When the joy that we have is not coming from our communion with Christ. I got to ask you, the first century disciples, they had no kingdom dates. There's nothing like that because they're always being chased anyway. (laughs) There's nothing like open mic night. They'll be in trouble. They're probably meeting homes anyway. So they can't even beat drums. But yet they were joyful. They were happy. Their joy and happiness is real. Why? Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. Ask yourself one question. If every activity in the church is taken away, are you still going to be joyful? Because if that's your joy, it's manufactured. It's not real. We've got to be men and women of substance, not of status. The world is all about status. Everything is superficial. They put everything up to make themselves look good. No. For disciples in the kingdom of God, we are about substance. God is our bedrock. God is our strength. God is our refuge. God is our motivation. God is our inspiration. And through that, we will move mountains. Joy, it's important for us if we're going to be people who love God over the world. Jesus influenced his friends. You know, in the same passage in John chapter 11, 
If you read further down, it, it talks a lot about how Jesus had influence over his friends. And I'd love to share something with you about how Jesus presented his God before his friends. In, in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I mean, Jesus called for commitment immediately. Like, hey, what do you think of me? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Wow. So you see that Jesus' conviction influenced his friends. Jesus had influence in the life of his friends. As disciples, we are called to influence people that we know. God expects us to influence our friends. I got a question for you, brothers and sisters. Who are you influencing? Who are you having an impact in their lives? There are only two kinds of people in the world. There are those who are being molded and those who are molders. If you're not molding, you are being molded. It's either you're a hammer or you're an anvil. You've got to ask yourself, which one are you? As disciples, we've got to know, do we show more enthusiasm and passion when it comes to the things of the world? And when it comes to the things of God, are we passive? One of the things that scares me the most, we we don't realize how much people are watching us. Guys, people are watching. Our friends can see what dominates our hearts by what gets us excited the most. They can definitely see. You can talk to people about the Bible and the Bible and the Bible, but when it comes to football, are you all over the moon? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really? Hmm. They can spot it. If you go all the way, like, oh yeah, I'd love for you to study the Bible, but you know, Zara, who's Zara? Who's Zara? Who's Zara? And I'm like, oh, she loves shopping. That gets her. That gets her the most. Because people can see that in you. What gets you the most? How do you feel? How do you present God to people? When we talk about God, people want to know who our God is. We've got to win our friends over. But you've got to ask yourself, how are we going to win our friends over to God? I'm glad you asked. James chapter 2. You know, the brother of Jesus is just about practicals. His brother gave us the theory, he gave the practical. In James chapter 2 verse 20. I mean, you, you, you can't fault James. It says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his action were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that what a person, that you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Wow. How are we going to do it? Faith and deeds. It's not just intellectually believing it. It's by putting it into practice. You cannot tell me I'm influencing my friend when your friends don't want to be with you. And if you say, yeah, my friends want to be with me. Are they coming to church with you? Are they coming to Bible talk with you? Because where you... Your friends will want to be where you're at. They want to be there. Jesus put his friends in. They want to be with him. For us, it, it's the same. That God is going to use us to pull our friends into the kingdom. But it's by faith and deeds. But how we share our faith. How we follow up on people. How we pray for them. We engage them. We know what is going on in their lives. So that we can really be able to pull them in. Are you with me, guys? You know, how would you know if you're having an impact on your friends? Let's look at Jesus' example of how he had an impact on his friends. I believe the way, the simplest way to know it is friends call friends to follow God. John chapter 11. Let's see the result of Jesus' servitude towards Lazarus. Jesus served Lazarus. What is the result of it? He raised Lazarus from the dead. What's the result? What does it produce? We're going to ask ourselves this question. In verse 45, it said, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. Wow. So, the first thing is, from this guy that Jesus served, who was not a disciple, many people start believing in Jesus. Many people. Do you believe that through your friend, you can save a soul? That you can meet a friend, that through them, you can meet many people that can become disciples. Many people put their faith in Jesus through Lazarus. That's all. Verse 46. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them that told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here's the man, here's this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away our place in our nation. You see that even the persecutors heard about the miraculous things that God is doing. You know, this week, it's so powerful because it's convicting. On Thursday, me and Michael Williams, we got to meet with one of the brothers' um, dad um, in the campus, uh, Matthew Ali, because he's moved moved back to Nigeria. But before then, we got the chance to meet with his dad. Now, if you don't know, Matthew Ali is that, it works for one of the biggest companies in Nigeria, um, Shell. And, um, He's a top man, very influential. He knows a lot of the um, political leaders in Nigeria. And he said, you know what? I'm so grateful for the church. For what the church has done. Because I know who my child was before he came. And I know 
what has changed, so much has changed in his life. Amen. Is that not encouraging? Yes. But the father now went further. He says, but let me tell you something that you don't know. I work for this company called Shell. And I did something with my co-workers all the time. I pull up the website of your church. Wow. And I showed them, like, look, this is my son. Wow. And you know, there's this picture of, of Matthew on the, uh, on the website where Michael Williamson and all that, everybody crept together. Just, I was like, and the people say, how come they all look like friends? And he said, yes, that's what the church is about. Amen. We don't even know that people are proclaiming the gospel. Telling people about what God is doing in the London church. Amen. That through one person you can have an impact. Look at chapter 12. Let's see how it goes on. In John chapter 12 verse 9. It says, meanwhile a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So people are coming. They want to know. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. And the church said, wow, how many people do you want God to save through your friend? Do you picture that? Many people were coming to Jesus, putting their faith because of Lazarus, just one guy. I mean, this tells me the story of 80. One guy got baptized. And people were like, I heard a guy got baptized. Preachers are now asking, why did he get baptized again? I want to know. From one preacher come ten preachers. From one man, there's about five or six churches in Haiti. The God that performed wonders in Haiti is the same God in London. Amen? Amen? Do you know that you sitting here through your friend... God can win many souls. Because that's what he's about. From one man, God spreads the gospel. You know, I'm proud of a guy who has come today to be baptized. Amen. You know, God has been doing great things on Middlesex. Amen. I mean, it's 2014 and God is doing so much in the campus. I mean, from our first baptism, Sean. Then we got Jumpy back, Happy Jumpy. Then we got our sister Ellie get baptized. Then my homeboy Versus got baptized. And today you're going to see JJ get baptized. God is doing amazing things. God is doing incredible things. But it's true. The faith and hard work of people who love God. Because it takes one person to start moving and God moves. You know, to produce such fruit of what, what, that we're looking at in the Bible here, it's going to take a lot. But it doesn't take much. All they took to do this is what Jesus says in verse 24. It says here, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls down to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The solution, how are we going to be able to produce this? We just got to die to self. You know, for me, 
This is one of my challenges as a disciple. Dying to myself. I've struggled this week with my pride. Selfishness. I had a lot of quiet reservation. I'm like, i got to die to myself. So that Christ can live in me. Because you'll never run out of having issues. It's just the truth. Get over it. Oh, when can I rest? When will all these issues be gone? Uh, When you get to heaven. I mean, that's why the song is sang. When we get to heaven, what a day that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout victory. Because then, you won't be thinking, oh man, that brother is in sin again, discipling. Oh God, rebuke, encouragement. There'll be nothing like that. But as long as we're in this temple, Amen to God be the glory. We're still going, baby. So we've got to really have the mind to accept what God has given us. That we've got to die to self. You know, I want to challenge you today. To really see God in everything happening in your life right now. To first see that God wants you to make friends. That those non-Christians that want to hang out with you, hang out with them, please. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit, they don't. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I'm not afraid to hang out with a non-Christian because I'm going to influence them. I'm going to big up my God. I'm going to tell them how mighty my God is, how great my God is, how awesome my God is. Let's big up our God. Let's let people know that we serve a living God. The other thing we got to do, we got to not love the world. We got to let our, uh, being in the kingdom be our joy, be our faith, be our pride. I'm proud to be a disciple. It's joy, it's convicting, it's encouraging. Only in the kingdom of God that when you fall down, there are lots of people that want to carry you. That's right. That's in the kingdom of God. You know, I'd rather. Be on the floor in the kingdom than standing elsewhere. I don't care. I'd rather be on the floor rolling like this. I'm still inside than just trying to go stand somewhere. Because in the kingdom of God, we're all children of God. We're protected. We're loved. And that's why we've got to cherish the kingdom. Yeah. We've got to value it. We've got to protect the kingdom, amen? And how do we do that? We've got to do everything that has to be done. We've got to do it. We've got to go after it. We've got to call friends to follow Jesus. You know, for me, I always love um, one of my own boy here, Antonio. I remember when Antonio came and studied the Bible. Um, he came to me and said, hey, my brother got baptized. I want to study the Bible. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to study the Bible with you unless you're going to be my friend. And he looked at me. Yeah, I won't study the Bible with you unless you're going to be my friend. So, okay, I'll be your friend. And we studied the Bible. It was awesome. He got baptized, became a disciple. And I'm encouraged to see him also study the Bible with a friend. Man. Study the Bible all the way with Vassos. Baptize him. That's what it's about. Friends call friends to follow God. You know, it took friends to save the world. That's our last point. Turn over to John chapter 15. 
If we're going to save the world, it's going to take a bunch of friends. Let's look at how Jesus did it here with his friends. John chapter 12. John chapter 15 verse 12. My command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Look at discipling. Wow. You did not choose me, but I choose you. And appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. And the church say. You know, this is the concept that I used in the first century church. Loving each other and being friends. And the way by Colossians 1, Paul says this is the message that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. A bunch of friends saved the world in their generation. What is it going to take for us to save the world? For us to evangelize the world in this generation? We will do it. As long as you and I, first we're friends with God and we're friends with one another. Because if you read Romans 16, Paul was all about saying, greet my friend. Greet my friend. Fellow workers. A bunch of friends who made it happen. A bunch of friends who died for the same cause. You know, the reason why we lay our lives down for one another is if we're friends. As someone says, don't go ahead of me. I may not follow. Don't walk behind me. I may not lead. But walk beside me and be my friend. So that we can do it together. You see this? Life of a a disciple, we're not trying to act like Christians. We are Christians, amen? Amen. This is all we are. We are disciples. And we will bring glory to God. Jesus walked with his friends. The first century disciples walked with their friends. And for us, let us start from here today. Let us be friends with one another. And then we can go out and win as many as possible to Christ. I want to challenge you. To write a list of people you are going to make your friends. Write a list of how many new friends, five new friends, ten new friends in the kingdom of God that you are going to have. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.